Welcome to Writer Spark Academy's Tips, Tricks, and the Craft of Writing. I'm Melissa Bourbon, and today we are talking about Plotting 101 with best-selling author Libby Klein. So grab a cup of something tasty, settle in, and ignite your Writer Spark. Welcome, Libby. I am so glad to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. It's a thrill to be with you. Yeah, so uh, let me just tell a little bit, give a little bit of an intro to you. You write the Poppy McAllister Cozy Mystery Series, and you have seven books at this point. That's correct. Seven on the shelf, yes. Yep, and do you have an eighth coming out? Number eight comes out August 2023, which is quite a long wait because it's been finished since January 2022. And then... Yeah. And uh, number nine in the series, Silent Nights or Murder, which won't be out, I'm assuming, till 2024. Yeah, that's crazy. I had a book that was finished a year and, well, a solid year ago, and it's they pushed it back. It's not coming out till the end of November of this year. So it was, it was really a solid year and a half. That's a long time. I'm assuming it's between production time and the fact that the book that comes out next year is my Halloween book. And I think there's a lot of competition for Halloween books. So, you know, you get kind of lined up with all the ones in front of you. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to try and hold it until the season. Yes. Mine is set in spring and they're releasing it right before Christmas. So that makes no sense to me, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe somebody who really is in the mood for spring will be like, this is perfect for right now. Yes. Hate winter. Hate Christmas. I hate Christmas. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, well, thank you for being here. And, you know, our podcast and our video series is all about the craft of writing. And today we're going to talk about plotting, which is something you're excellent at. I love your books and you have so much humor in them. And we've discussed humor too, but we opted to go with plotting um, because that is, you know, just a crucial element of any book. So let's talk about plotting. Well, I think the first thing that um, I feel is important is to say that there is no right or wrong way to write a book. Um, There's a right or wrong way for each individual person. For me, I'm a plotter. It's how my brain works. I need to sort of settle my thoughts and organize myself. Uh, Otherwise, I'm going to be a couple of chapters in and just feel overwhelmed and not know where to go next. But that's me. So plotting is right for me. And of course, I'm sure that your listeners are very, very familiar with the terms pantsing and plotting. And of course, pantsing is writing by the seat of your pants where people just sit down and start typing. Um, I suspect they do a great deal of thinking before they do that, but I could be wrong because I'm not a pantser. Um, I'm a little bit more of a mixture. So I'm kind of a hybrid pantser plotter. I think that the difference is the when you write things down, the when you think up your ideas, and then the how you start. Yeah, I think you're so absolutely spot on. And I I used to consider myself more of a pantser, less of a plotter, but also a hybrid, you know, very much a hybrid. Um, and, And I still pretty much feel that way, but I'm trying to plot more in terms of mapping out the entire book very 
sort of roughly and then have lots of aha moments along the way because that's the way my brain works. So it is a very individual process and, and you shouldn't force yourself to plot in a way that doesn't come naturally for you. I think that the danger is in thinking that the only true creativity is in being a pantser or the only true quality is in being a plotter. And I, I think those are both wrong. I think that we all have our own process and we really do the same things. <laughs> we just do them at different times or in different orders. And mm-hmm. as when I start to tell you how I plot a story, um, there's a lot of pantsing that happens both during creating an outline and once I start writing the book going from scene to scene. Uh, you know, you don't plan out every line that's going to be spoken before you start writing. You pants your right. way through it. Right. So there's, I think there's a lot uh, to be said about both. I will say that for me, I like to plant things, not just early in a book, but I like to plant things in one book that are going to go in another book. If you've read my series, there's a pretty big bomb drop at the end of book five. That was planned in book one. And you're good. There's hints. (laughs) I have hints through the first four books that people commented on little things. And I'm like giggling to myself because it's all intentional. I would never have been able to do that had I not plotted the whole character arc and story arc for the five books. See, and that's very interesting because I'm almost the exact opposite. I My brain does not think strategically. I'm not a good chess player because I cannot think five moves ahead. I, I can't plot that way either. So this newest series that I have, which is the Book Magic Mystery Series, I do have things that thread throughout the entire series, but it was sort of accidental. And then it just worked beautifully. You know, so maybe it's my subconscious at work, but, you know, I, I, like you said, I accomplished the same thing just with an incredibly different process and maybe a little luck on my part. <laughs> I mean, I think you're just very clever, you know, and when you think of things that you've already written, you can come up with ways to capitalize on that. And you have some great ideas. I know in um, my third book, The Restaurant Weeks, I had written most of the book and suddenly I came up with a, um, a motive that I hadn't had before. So I was like, oh. I think that's exciting when that happens. I'm adding. So I, now you have to go backwards. And like, now I'm adding a bunch of stuff because I'm excited about a motive. Because, you know, you learn more about your characters as you write right. them. They reveal themselves to you. You have ideas. You do a lot of thinking when you either lay down for a nap or you take a shower. It's amazing how like when you get stuck, a good walk or something where you're not thinking about your book and all of a sudden you're like, oh yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. For me, that happens at night. If something is not right, I know that something, if I get really stuck, I know that something's gone wrong, first of all. And if I just am in the middle of this scene and trying to work something out, I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. My mind just will not shut off and I'll just toss and turn and lay there and I can get up and write things down. It doesn't matter because until I sit down at the computer again and really do that brain writing, I'm not going to get it out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. It drives you crazy when stuff happens in the middle of the night. You can't sleep. Sometimes I get so stuck. And remember, I'm a plotter. I've plotted everything. That doesn't mean I don't get stuck. Because mm-hmm. I will pants my way from point A to B to C within a scene. And mm-hmm. I will get stuck sometimes 
there goes one of the earbuds. And I will have to um, ask myself, well, what's, what would somebody actually do? Like what would actually happen if this was real? And I usually get myself back on course with that, but I'll, I'll get stuck and have to put myself in a timeout <laughs> until I can, <laughs> can calm down. So when you talk about outlining, what does a Libby Klein outline look like? For me, an outline is more of a synopsis mm-hmm. and it can be one page, super sketchy. It can be five pages, much more detailed. It can be longer than that. You know, I, I don't, when I talk about outline, it's not the outline that we did in middle school, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. Roman numerals. So what does a Libby Klein outline look like? Well, first of all, the very first outline that I ever had to turn in to my publisher was for book two. Because, right, you write the first book without being published. And it took me five years and I outlined it and things changed and it took a long time. So for book two, I had to submit an outline for approval. And I turned in two pages of bullet points and my agent went, no, this is not an outline. And I'm like, but I can write a book on this. Like, I don't see the problem. So now my outline that's turned into the publisher is roughly 10,000 words. So how do I get to 10,000 words? Well, uh, I want to know. I want to know because I'm plotting a new project right now and I'm at about 5,000 and I think I'm pretty done. (laughs) I'm ready to send it off to my agent and go through it. But, you know, I'm like 10. I don't know if I could add another 5,000 words to my. You probably don't have to. Um, For one thing, my books tend to be a little on the complicated side. There's a lot of side plots, which we'll talk about that in a second. I call them BCD plots. The very first thing I do is think. Same with a pantser. (laughs) You just sit around for days going, huh, what could I do? What could I come up with? You think about a good murder weapon or a motive or someone who's obnoxious, who needs killing, or somebody who maybe kills because their back's against the wall. I like my characters to have a lot of depth. I've written a lot of uh, bad guys with the premise that Al Capone was a good father. Um, (laughs) I've written a lot of good guys that make a horrible judgment call and end up committing murder. So I, I also like my statistics for myself. I keep track of if oh if the killer is a good guy or a bad guy, if they kill for this reason or this reason or this reason, if it was a woman or a man. So, I mean, I keep all these statistics because I want to make sure that I mix it up and do different things. So yeah, I spend a yeah. lot of time thinking. Well, and, you know, no person in real life is all good or all bad. You know, there might be a few minor exceptions, you know, the Jeffrey Dahmers, for example. But, you know, nobody's all good or all bad. And our characters shouldn't be that way either. Otherwise, their stereotypes are just cutouts. Absolutely. You know, and that's not what we want. That's not how we get how we write compelling characters that are going to resonate with readers and keep them coming back for more. Because although we write mysteries, it's the characters and the connection to and the humor of of Poppy McAllister that people love. And the mystery, while important, is I think almost secondary at times because they love Poppy. They love the cast of characters. They love all of that. And that's what keeps them coming back. And that comes from layers. Well, and that's my second layer is my characters. I start to think about who do I want to have in the book. I will form some characters. I will do research on Pinterest. 
I will start to type in what I want my character to look like, and then I'll get pictures. Sometimes I have a celebrity. Usually it's a celebrity. I have no idea that it's a celebrity until someone points it out later. Like, why is this guy on your wall? And I'm like, who is that? It's just, this is what I know this character looks like in my head. Uh, one of my protag my protagonists in another series I'm working on, the picture's from a wig ad. But that was exactly what I wanted. I knew what she looks like. And when I put everything in, this popped up, said, yep, and I'll take the picture. And I will try to turn my camera. I have all of my characters where I will put them on my murder board. I don't want to show you too closely because I've got their secrets up there. And that's another thing. Once I've got my characters, I will give them secrets. And they so have important. to overlap. I like to be able to draw a line of connections. The reader doesn't have to know those connections. I might not reveal it to the very end, but I want there to be a line of connections where people are related or were in business with each other or had an affair. So the more that my characters can overlap in their secrets, I know their desires, I know their mistakes, the more red herrings I'm going to be able to plant and ways I'm going to be able to trick the reader into uh following a trail that's really there, but it's not the right one. Right. Misdirection. I love to have a lot of misdirection because I also tell you everything in my books. I tell you, you have all of the information that the main character has. Um, mm -hmm. Usually you have it in places you don't know that that's what I was giving you. I'll have two characters who aren't involved in the murder talk about something and that's the exact motive. And mm -hmm. it's all subliminal, but everything is there that you could follow. Occasionally, somebody says, I figured it out in the beginning. And the truth is, it could be anyone up until the end. You had a hunch and the hunch paid off. And the hunch might have directed them to the character, but probably not the full motive. Yes. Well, I had somebody, uh, one of my beta readers in one of my books, they said, well, I figured out who had done it, but I had it for this reason. I'm like, well, that reason isn't even true. That reason didn't right. even happen. That's <laughs> something that you made up. Um, you got lucky and that that actually was the, the killer. But up until those last couple of chapters, a good writer can spin any direction. If it's not working, because remember, all those connections where they overlap and all those secrets, you change a couple of scenes and you've completely given yourself a new murderer. Because it, it could be Have anything. you ever done that? Change the murderer at the very end? You're like, no, I don't like this anymore. I'm going to make it this person. I didn't. I wouldn't say it was at the end. My very first book, I had planned a completely different murderer and different murderer, different motive. I didn't have to change anything in the book to go with a different murderer because, again, you they could all have done it. You've layered everybody. Anybody is capable of murder. So I did completely change who the killer was going to be. Roughly the middle of the book, I got this inspiration. I knew I'd only get away with it once. Because uh, anybody who knew me will pick up on certain things, like how much I love irony. They'll pick up on that and they'll start to look. Irony? I lo like, no. Ironing shirt? No. <laughs> I've done that exactly twice in my life. No. Oh, irony. 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 <laughs> yes. I love irony. So people who read me a lot will, will start to pick up on when Libby gets a kick out of something, you can better believe it's going somewhere. So I knew that I couldn't like keep plucking the same thread over and over because people will start to look for it. Right, um, right. Well, and if it was ironing also. 
You can only iron so many clues into a plot as well. Oh, anybody who knows me would be shocked. What are you doing? You're burning things. It's it's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's good. Not how you iron? No. So after I've got my characters, and I'll put their pictures like you saw. I've got them on my murder board, and I've got their secrets, and I've got um, desires and different plot points that I know I want to touch with them. The next thing I do is I work on my B, C, and D plots. My B, C, and D plots are series-wide. For the first five books, it was a romance. There was a love triangle in the first five books of my series. And I knew exactly how book five would end. I had I could tell when a lot of my readers finished the book because they immediately sent me a message. Oh my God, what are you doing? What have you done? I can't believe it. That was fun. I mean, it could be two in the morning and I would get those messages where people were like, like you chose the wrong guy for Poppy. <laughs> they were just shocked. They were just shocked at what happened. And that was fun because I had planted so many clues all throughout the first five books that it was, it was fun. It was a delicious moment for me. It was an awful moment for Poppy. <laughs> But it was a delicious moment for me because I had been waiting for years to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But I know in my CD, one of my plots is always the, the romance. It might not even be Poppy. It could be the side characters. But there's a thread that's going to go through all of the books. And for each individual book, I'm going to have a romance. I'm going to have a mini mystery. I have a wonderful mini mystery that I just adore in one of my books that. You don't even know it's a mystery until it's revealed. And all of a sudden you're like, it was there in front of me the entire time. Hmm. And when you get to the reveal, I mean, I put little clues, little clues, little clues. But once you get to the reveal, you didn't even know that one was coming. Some of them, it's an obvious mystery, like in a in a Valentine's Day book, which was um, Theater Nights. Sawyer, the best friend, is getting, um, somebody's leaving her flowers. Somebody, she got a secret admirer. So it's a mini mystery of who is the secret admirer. Um, there's, there's so completely unrelated to the murder mystery. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. there was in a beauty expo. Somebody keeps, um, uh, vandalizing Aunt Jenny's property. And there's the mini mystery of who and why and what's happening there. So I have different plots. It's not just about, um, the murder. And of course, because Poppy runs a bed and breakfast, a lot of times the bed and breakfast is, Something is happening in that storyline. It might just be humor. It might be um, somebody from the bed and breakfast says something that will drop a clue. One uh, important thing for me is that every scene has to have a clue. Uh, You might not know it was a clue, but it can't Mm -hmm. just be a scene that's there for humor's sake. There has to, my scenes have to do double duty. I try to make them work harder. Yeah, well, every scene needs to move the plot forward in some way. And in a mystery in particular, that needs to be solving the mystery. Absolutely. Or misdirecting. Absolutely. Uh, Somebody had told me once when I just started writing, um, every scene has to have either drama, action, or humor. And I make myself a checklist when I'm finished writing to see that my scenes have that. (laughs) They almost always have humor. The humor check mark goes down the page where I'm like, okay, some of them I didn't even think had humor until I read something like, oh, look at that. There is humor. Because we already discussed that you are just a naturally hilarious person. Oh, thank you. Comes naturally. I think so. Which <laughs> is totally obnoxious. Well, readers think so too because they love Poppy. My husband usually shows up in my office when he hears me laughing. 
what's happening? What did you just write? And I'm like, you have to wait. But I think it's I'm terrible how funny I think I am. It really is obnoxious. <laughs> so once I've plotted my B, C, and D plots, I, and sometimes it's just a matter of I know where I want to go. I know that I'm going to begin with a kiss and I'm going to end with uh, finding out, you know, that the character has loved you from afar. Mm-hmm. And so now I have to plot what's going to happen in the, you know, step two, three, and four. So I might do the beginning and the end, and then I need to figure out what's going to be. So I put my side plots to the side. I've plotted maybe five points. I'm going to hit five points in this. And I know what they are, and I just move them to the side. I like to use um, Post-it notes, and I'll show you those in a minute. You can also do Scrivener which I do both because I'm obnoxious. I also have an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I like my lists. I feel comfortable with my yeah. lists. I use Scrivener and that's it. <laughs> that's well, for me. once I start to plot my murder, I will, I've already thought about it. I've already been thinking and now I'm going to roughly write down. Sometimes I'll write two different scenes. One of them is never going to be in the book. I'll write the murder. I do that too. I start with the murder because you have to know what actually happened. Yep in order to lead the reader there and then also the misdirection. I mean, you can't lead the reader to the actual murder too too, uh, easily, but you have to know the details of what actually happened. So I do that. I always start with that too. I also want to know the timing so that I don't end up writing myself into a corner where it's not possible that this person did this because you had them here. So I will write a timeline. I will write the murder scene. Because that's the one, that's the thing I know for sure. Because that's the thing I thought about when I planned the characters and I planned the murder. That's where I started. I will write my murder scene. And then I will write, and the murder scene can be roughly written. Because again, nobody's going to see it but me. I'm also going to roughly write the climax where Poppy discovers who the murderer is. Because that helps me with the murderer's motive. If I get the murder, I mean, I might write, and we're talking, all this is pantsing. I'm just pantsing, okay, what would they say? What did they do? I'm pantsing out the entire climax to hear their side of what happened and why they did but, it. But the killer and the discovery, that was plotted ahead of time. So, yeah, so that's where the hybrid portion comes in of pantsing and plotting. But you have a very solid outline so you know how that scene's going to unfold roughly speaking and once i've got those two scenes one is only going to be for me and one is going to be on my list this this is the scene that's going to happen now i've got to figure out what's my penny drop how did poppy figure out that's who did it who's going to say what what's she going to find so the very next scene that i'm going to write down as bullet point is the penny drop So now I've got a scene that's roughly framed out where she goes against the murderer, but then it's just bullet points. I got bullet point, where's the penny drop? From the penny drop back to where I've written that scene where the murderer does it that nobody will see, now I have to work backwards and plant my clues. So I've got a bunch of bullet points of things that I know are going to happen. Once I've got, so those clues are plotted ahead of time. You know what they are. I do. That doesn't mean that I will not come up with something new mm-hmm. because that's the pantsing. The plotting portion is I'm have a bullet point list of clues. Mm-hmm. I know that I want Poppy to find out that the fish guy was um, blackmailing someone. 
and I decided it's going to be an email. How is she going to, so I'm going to write email blackmail. How are we going to find out about the email blackmail? Maybe somebody's going to send her a, a laptop. So now I'm going to write down send laptop. So you're going to have your bullet points and sometimes you've got your bullet points of here are my clues and you realize, hmm, this one really isn't going to work here. It comes way too late in the story, so I'm going to move it. So here is my wall. Let's see. Those post-it notes are my wow. story. Wow. The different colors are the different plots. Because now once I've got my bullet points, I've got to weave the B, C, and D plots in. So now it's just a matter of when do I want something to happen? Who do I want to talk to? Sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm supposed to be going to the high school, but I really have not checked in with the coffee shop. It's been too long. So mm -hmm. stuff starts to move around when you start to write. So just because it's plotted, here's where I'm going to go. I've plotted myself a roadmap. So yeah. every morning I get up and I look at my roadmap and I say, what's next? But other than that, other than I know today I'm going to be at the coffee shop and the killer's going to come in and the killer's going to be saying stuff, everything's pants at that point. Mm -hmm. I almost always end up with a plot, uh, an outline of 35 chapters. And each chapter is a scene. But my finished book is always 50 chapters. I don't even know how am I doing this. <laughs> so there's scenes that like as you're writing and you're pantsing your way from point to point to point within those bullet points, you think of new things or you realize something really doesn't work as well as you'd hoped it would. So I just mm -hmm. pants my way through the entire outline. Because I need to turn in an outline that's a little bit deeper than bullet points, I have to flesh it out, flesh it out. I write in layers. I've got my bullet points of where my murder, the different clues for the murder. I've got those B, C, and D plots that I sort of like woven within so that we, I don't want you to go in a straight line to the murder. I want you constantly like a ship listing side to side. Yeah, zigzagging. Yeah. So I've got a little list of things and now I start to flesh them out. But that is not really done for my benefit. That is done so my agent, who is fabulous, will accept that this is an outline. Because my outline was the bullet points. I was happy with mm -hmm. those. Mm -hmm. So I have to flesh out each scene a little bit more. Here's what's going to happen. I don't really flesh out any dialogue. There's no dialogue on my outline other than the first line in the book. I, mm -hmm. I always work on my first line. I think very hard about my first line. I want it to be something that will really suck you in because mm -hmm. the first line is so important. And sometimes people pick up the third book in the series first. My yeah. first lines are usually really, really good. Um, there's a couple of them that are excellent, but you don't know that until you get to the last line. Find out the first <laughs> line, the last line are the same line. Now it makes more sense. But when you read it, the first line, um, I can't believe you pulled the fire alarm. That's not the most fabulous first line of a book. But the last, the first line of the last chapter is, I can't believe you pulled the fire alarm. So I knew that was coming because it was plotted. Right. And like I said, the different colors represent the different storylines. Uh, and of course, all my clues are on my post-it notes. I like to think about different places too. You know, as I'm going through the book, I might feel like I'm at the bed and breakfast a lot. And Cape May, of course, is a real place. I want to give you a taste of different places. 
So mm-hmm. do you use real businesses in Cape May or do you make up fictional businesses? Both. I've done both. The The book that comes out August 2023 is my Halloween book. And mm-hmm. I go to five of the famous bed and breakfast inns on a ghost tour. So people mm-hmm. familiar with Cape May will really like that they know these five key places. And yet Aunt Ginny's house, Poppy's house is fictional. It's like uh, the platform at Hogwarts, nine and three quarters. So it's there, but I can't point to a house and say, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so I like to do both. Beauty Expos has two of the main um, iconic places in Cape May. It's got both Convention Hall and Congress Hall. So, and I think, yeah, it also has the Marquis de Lafayette, which is right down there across from the beach. So I, I do give you a lot of real places, but I've asked permission of those places. Can I kill somebody there? <laughs> is that okay if I kill somebody? Um, not everybody wants to have somebody killed in their place. So right. especially bed and breakfast. Uh, the only place, you know, the only bed and breakfast where anyone's been killed is poppies. So, and that was fun. Yeah. Well, that makes sense for the business owner. Okay. So um, you've talked about so much. Can we try to put that into three or four kind of succinct tips for outlining? Let's see. One I would say is write your murder, even if it's just in bullet points, so that no one will see, so that you know what happened. Write your climax scene, which is the complete other end. And then start writing your clues backwards. You know how it starts. You know how it ends. Now, how do you get there? And it's okay to rearrange. You don't have to feel people who are afraid of outlining. I think they think that there's like an outline police who are going to make you stick to it. Right. Even I mean, I turn. And that's why I love that your tip is to start with the murder and then go to the climax. And I do the same thing to varying degrees with each book. But writing out of order, when I realized, and that was when I got Scrivener, when I realized that I could write out of order, it was so freeing for me because it just allowed my brain to go where it needed to go and to plan the mysteries in the way that they needed to be planned that made more sense to me in terms of how you're going to structure things and how how are you going to get there you know so i think that's just such an excellent tip and and the idea that we need to as writers let go of any preconceived notions that there's only one way to do things and even if you're doing something you can change that up even though I turn my outline in to my agent and my editor, they don't know what's on it when I turn the book in. They don't remember. You know, right. I can change a lot of things. They want to see an outline to make sure that I've got a good story. Before they give right. me nine months to write it, they want to know that what's coming in will work. I've never had any problems. I've never even had pushback on an outline. But what they get isn't what I gave them because things change. You know, right. I mean, as I write, the, process. the characters tell me things. I think of new ideas and some of the stuff I outline isn't going to work as good as I thought it would have. So I have to change it. So there's mm-hmm. no outline police that are going to say, you have to stick to this now that you've written it. But what the outline gives me is a starting off point every day. Mm-hmm. I have never had writer's block. 
But the reason isn't because I'm such a great writer. It's because I have a blueprint. I have a place I can start. I've had a couple of times when I was really struggling within a scene and I skipped ahead. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing in this block, but I know how I want the scene to end. And I will skip to the end and I will write that part. And that somehow Mm -hmm. has made it easier for me to go back to the middle and fill it in better. But every day- That works for me too. I like to sit down and I will start my day by reading what I wrote yesterday and I'll edit it because that's mine. Some people say don't ever edit when you write. I edit every single day. It helps me get right back in it. Uh, I'm not sitting there every day trying to think, what do I feel like writing today? I've already told myself what I'm going to write today. I open it up. This is my scene. I'm going to read yesterday's and make edits because I write in layers. Mm-hmm. Some layers don't go on until the whole manuscript is finished. And then I'll go through and I'll do maybe a humor layer. And then I'll do a layer where I'll make sure that I've described everything interesting. And I'll take out the bajillion times that I have people smiling at each other and try to mix it up yeah. with new things. <laughs> God, smiling is hard. Smiling, nodding, yeah. and rolling your eyes. Shrug, shrugging. It's a lot. <laughs> I'm like, we need new yeah. words for walk. Yeah, <laughs> And I don't have a great vocabulary and I can't just think of words when I want to. So there's a lot of times that I have to go to the thesaurus, not to learn a new word, but what is the word I'm trying to think of that I can't think of? And then I'll find it. I'm like, yep, that was the one. I only use words yeah. I know. Something that's more nuanced than the ordinary word. Yeah. And I mean, if there's a big word in my writing, I knew that word before I put it in there. I have never... <laughs> I'll make up a lot of words. I'll make up words I didn't know I was making up. I thought that was a word the whole time. <laughs> That's not a word. But I've never, ever put a word in that I found in the, the source and said, oh, I like that word. I'm going to use it. It's always a word I knew. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So- yeah, because for all, you, for all you know, with your luck, right, somebody's going to come and say, well, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes. If I knew that word ahead of time, I will definitely put it in my book. I know some really big, fancy words, but then I can't think of walk. I'm like, walk. Oh, that's right. I want to saunter. I like the word saunter. I think the cat saunters a lot because that mm-hmm. describes a cat. Cats like to saunter. So Yeah. Well, right. When, when you write murder mystery, you know, writing your clues backwards helps you make right. sure they line up because you don't want to end up at the end of the book where something is impossible because you didn't you didn't have them ever do this. Or like, where did this come from? This came out of nowhere. You know, she, you know, this, this woman's a little school teacher. And in the last scene, she pulls a giant gun out where you're like, well, I mean, come on, what? Not impossible in real life, but in a book, people get very frustrated with things like that. So I don't, I always want my readers to get to the end of the book and be surprised, but also see immediately how I got there. And I mean, I, I'm not saying I want you to read my books a second time because that's like you've removed the mystery, uh, the magic show. You read the book the second time and you see how to do the trick. If you're a writer, read somebody's book a second time after you know who the killer is and you've seen the reveal. If you read a second time, it's like having the entire trick explained to you. I don't necessarily want my readers to do that because then they don't think I'm as brilliant (laughs) because they're like, oh, you told me right here. Yeah, but you didn't see it the first time. Now that you know it's coming, you know what to look for. 
Um, right. But you also want your reader to get to the end, have the big reveal and go, oh, yeah, I, you know, I can see that it was all there for me. Maybe not go back and read everything, but they know that it was all presented for them. Absolutely. Get it every yeah. clue in plain sight. You want them to see how the clues line up and to see, oh, I missed that. I had mm-hmm. no idea that's where you were going with that. I should have paid closer attention. Or a lot of people just read for pleasure like I do. I just read for pleasure. But some people mm-hmm. read and take notes because they want to figure it out. And you better have yeah. those clues line up. Okay. So I think that's an important part. But the outline, the more you fluff out your outline, once I sit down and I start writing the book, that first chapter is the hardest chapter. But I've already written 10,000 words on an outline. I didn't sit down and write 10,000 words in one day. I wrote bullet points. And then I went back and I added stuff to the bullet points. And I sometimes I rearrange, you know, I'm like, you know what? I think instead of doing the murder, uh, talking to the murderer here, I actually want to go and do a B plot with the romance here. And then I'm going to have Aunt Jenny do something crazy at the senior center here. Every scene for me, my role has to drop a clue, but I will move stuff around all the time. So when you start writing, so you have your bullet points that you start with first, you take that and you write a very fleshed out synopsis for your agent and editor. But when it comes to, okay, now I'm going to start writing, do you have those bullet points next to you? Have you taken those bullet points and put them on the wall with the sticky notes? What is your reference as you're going through the actual writing process now that you've done all of this pre-work? That's a great question. So my bullet point, let's see, one bullet point is that... I gotta try to. I gotta try to find something that doesn't give the story away. Even though you won't read the story for two years, with my luck, somebody will watch this in two years and be like, well, "That's who's gonna do it." Um, Hopefully, they'll watch it in two years. I hope so too. <laughs> Hopefully, it's gonna help some people. Um, right. So let's see. All right. There's a dead body, and the dead body has a note pinned to their chest. I know I'm gonna start with that, and that's my bullet point. That's what's on the wall in a post-it note. The day I'm done my bullet points, I'm going to go through, I'm going to flesh them out. Let's see, Poppy, she wakes up. She's thinking about the holidays. She's wanting to, this is what I'm writing. This is my fleshing it out. Some of the fleshing it out doesn't make it to the finished book. It tells me what I'm going to write about. Some of it makes it Mm -hmm. to the book. She says, are you kidding me? I'm not about to go there and do that. That might make it in the book. But Poppy's thinking about buying candles may not make it in the book. So you just write out what's going to happen. It's a synopsis. Think of it as like a fifth grader giving a book report. And then Mm -hmm. um, some stuff happens. And then the dog comes in. And then the cat chases the dog out. And then they eat cookies. And then um, she's going to go and say something crazy. It's a fifth grader's book report of what's going to happen in this scene. Maybe my second pass, my third pass, I make it a little better, a little better, a little better. When I'm finished... My bullet points that are on my wall are now a scene-by-scene synopsis. And that synopsis, I'm going to put a hashtag in front of every chapter. I'm so old school. I do my synopsis in a Word document in a table. My husband can't stand it. It goes against everything he believes in as an IT guy. How does he think you should do it? Excel. (laughs) Which is just slightly (laughs) less old school than my table. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah. even know what Scrivener is, but yet he makes fun of my table. Well, well, we're writers. We work with words, not numbers. We don't need Excel. That's exactly right. So in Scrivener, you import things, and I use hashtags. So I'll put a hashtag in front of every scene, 
And then when I finished, and this is my full outline, roughly 10,000 words. I'm not going for 10,000 words on purpose, mind you, any more than I'm going for 50 chapters. I just seem to have a feel for my books that ends up that way. And I'm just mm-hmm. as surprised as anybody else. Every time I plot out 30, 35 chapters, I'm like, that's good. And by the end of the book, I'm like, oh my God, I got 50 chapters again. I don't, because <laughs> remember those extra 15 to 20 chapters aren't on the outline. Completely mm-hmm. pantsed. I'm writing something and whether it was something funny or something important that now I feel is missing, I never really thought about how these two characters were interact, but it's too much for this scene. It needs a whole new scene. Stuff's been added. But I will take that whole Word document list with hashtags and import it into Scrivener. And with Scrivener, you can, or anything you're going to use, you can do this on paper if you handwrite on paper. I will start mm-hmm. to write things like, where the scenes take place. Because now if I if I see coffee shop, coffee shop, coffee shop, coffee shop, coffee shop, I'm like, all right, that's a lot at the coffee shop. I need to move them to somewhere else. Or yeah. I see that, uh, you know, Aunt Ginny is in these first two scenes and then she's not in, then I'll put who's in each scene. Aunt Ginny is gone for a while. I said, no, that's too much. And I'm going to add something because I got to have Aunt Ginny back. So I want to balance everything. I want I want choreography in my book. I want to make sure mm-hmm. you go to different places, you talk to different people, that everybody gets the right amount of screen time. So on Scrivener, I start moving things around. I love about Scrivener that you can move things around. And my process is fairly similar to yours. I, I don't outline as much as you do, but I follow the hero's journey pretty closely. I have sections on my Scrivener project broken down into the sections of the hero's journey because that, for me, is how I internalize the plot. You know, some people use a, a three-act structure and, you know, I mean, there's a variety of ways to uh, scene structures to use, but that's how I use Scrivener. And then I can move things around, which to me is just wonderful. I use a three-act structure. Mm-hmm. And... Even my B, C, D, and E plots each have a three-act structure. And sometimes I want a plot point for the murder and a plot point for the romance to hit at the same time. Maybe it's the low point of both. So Mm -hmm. I know that's that's the only way that I know how to write is in three acts with things going up and down and back and forth. But sometimes I want them to intersect. And mm-hmm. so moving the, the cards around in Scrivener, you can drag and drop um, virtual cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, my wall of post-its is just the analog version of Scrivener. When somebody saw my wall years ago, they said, why don't you just do it on Scrivener? It's so much easier. I'm like, I don't know what that is. And they showed me and I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what I do. So now I've got so many layers of like on the wall in Scrivener in a Word document. Do you duplicate your efforts then where you have it on your wall, but then you also have it on the cards on Scrivener? Do you feel like, or is it different information that's on both or does that, is the same stuff on both and it just helps solidify things in your mind to help you move along faster and more efficiently? I duplicate my efforts, but Mm -hmm. I will always get to a point where I'm somewhere between a half and two thirds of the way in that I start to feel frustrated I'm a terrible writer. Why do I think I can do this? This story is awful. It's not working. It's not going anywhere. And I like to do sort of a check-in and I'll look at my wall and I'll start to go scene by scene between what I've got in the book and the plot points on the wall. And I'll add cards because I've added stuff and I'll move cards around. 
And it's part of the process that helps me get my thoughts in order because everybody has a different way that works for them. And I am very literal and I'm linear and I like to get my thoughts in order because I will have a whole new thought come when I'm putting these thoughts that I've already done in order. Or I'll realize Mm. I, I had a scene in the book that's not out yet. It didn't feel right. I knew something was wrong. It's at the very end of the book. And basically from the time I found out who the murderer was until I caught the murderer, I had a scene in the middle that was pure humor. And I was like, something is wrong. And this doesn't feel right. The pacing is off. I've broken the tension, but there was no other way. There was no other linear order for these things to happen. I had beta readers who liked it. My agent liked it. And finally I was like, it doesn't work for me. I moved it. And once I moved mm-hmm. it, everybody was like, oh my God, I love that. I'm like, where was that information when I was asking you for help? Like I told right. you. And everybody's like, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. And I'm like, mm, always go with your gut as the writer, you know, but yeah. it was going on my cards on the wall that I was able to move it because I can look my wall, all those colors on my wall, tell me something, all the pink, that's my romance. If all of those pink cards are at the front, I know right away, ah, it's too much romance at the front, not enough at the back. If Mm -hmm. all of my clue cards are bunched and I don't have them in places, I don't have enough clues in that section of the book because I have a color coordinated mind. Yeah. And you're very visual, clearly. I like to see everything lined up. That tells me right away, all those different storylines. If I don't see a blend of colors on the wall, I've got things bunched. And I want to smooth it out. I want to move. I don't have enough description over in this whole section of this part of the book because the color is not up there any. Mm-hmm. Anything I can use to help me write a book, I'm going to use it because writing is hard. Right. It's harder yes, than you it thought is. it was going to be. And I, I've written seven. I've written eight books. I'm writing book nine and ten. And. I still think I'm a terrible writer with every book. I can't do this. Oh my gosh, Libby, get rid of the negative self-talk. I do. I can't do this. It's terrible. And then I'll write something that I get so tickled. I'm like, oh my God, writing is fun. I love this. I'm so good at this. (laughs) I'm hilarious. I always get out of it. But now I'm to the point when I get to that, that moment of I'm terrible. I'm like, all right, you know, this will pass. Just push through. It'll pass. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much. That was so informative for me, a little bit overwhelming because my brain does not work that way. And part of me is like, oh, I should try that. And then the other part is like, no, that's not going to work for you. You will start it and then you will stop and not finish it. So just don't even start. But I think the point, the, the biggest takeaway is really that you have to figure out what your process is, some form of outlining is important and and helps you be efficient and as you said not run into that writer's block sort of thing but um to you know to ultimately figure out what your process is i think if you are the kind of person who would really benefit from an outline but you're averse to it because you feel like oh only the best writers they're all pantsers and i it's not creative to write an outline you're going to struggle because mm-hmm. you would really benefit from outlining. We are just as creative. We're just creative in a different way. I mean, you you don't have to make up the ideas one way or another. 
Right. No, no one hands well, you the and idea. And it's, a, and it's a process. You know, the project that I'm working on outlining right now is um, it's evolved so much from my first you know, two paragraphs and what I thought was going to happen. And then I've written, you know, I wrote 3000 words and I, you know, mapped things out. And then I thought about it for a couple of days. I'm like, no, that's just too predictable. That's too easy. That's, you know, whatever my thoughts were. And I've completely revamped and I keep going back. So I'm writing that synopsis, that overview of what's happening and it evolves. Mm -hmm. So it is such a creative process. Because you take the time to move things around, to change what's happening, to develop your characters, to add characters, take characters out, whatever, you know, is going on in the plot, that is all unfolding in those initial efforts. And it's very creative. We're both doing the same thing. We're both Mm -hmm. thinking about a good murder, good characters, some red herrings. We're both putting it in order so that you have a clue trail and you have some surprises and you're going to end up facing off against the killer. We're just doing it in different ways. Mm -hmm. I, one of the things I struggle with is because I write in layers. My publisher wants the first five chapters of a new series. They want to see the first five chapters. I mean, I'm really not ready to show you the first five chapters since I've written the whole book. So Mm -hmm. it's a struggle. I've turned in pages and my agent's like, well, I mean, here's what's wrong. And I'm like, well, yeah, (laughs) the book's not done yet. I don't know all that yet. So that's my process. So giving you early Mm -hmm. chapters when I'm going to write several layers onto those chapters as time goes on, that's hard for me. But if you are somebody who you love to write by the seat of your pants and you, that is what really works for you. If writing down an outline more than bullet points is going to stifle you, then why do it? Mm-hmm. I have a friend who just loves a very popular formatting for his books. I won't say it because I don't want anybody to think a negative thing about it because it's it's a genius way of making sure your book's going to work. I've mm-hmm. tried it twice now. It is not for me. And mm-hmm. as much as I love my technical aspects and I love my my outline and I like thinking about stuff for me to have to sit down and write down all these points and see that they do what they do. I think I do that instinctually, but to plot it on, on graph paper, I'm like, I can't stand this. Yeah. So it's a great idea if that's how your brain works. And if that works for you, it doesn't work for me. So I don't do it. Right. And you have to figure out what works for you. Yeah, definitely. And for me, it's lots of colored post-it notes. Yeah. I love them. (laughs) So it makes you happy going into your office and makes you happy because you have that visual connection to what you're writing in that moment. Absolutely. And I like knowing where I'm going to go today and where I'm going to go tomorrow when I'm going to go the next day, even though I'd say between 30 and 50 percent of the time I completely change it. Mm-hmm. It still gives me the comfort of knowing where I'm going to start. And I might start with saying, yep, forget that. That didn't work at all. I'm going to come up with a completely new idea. But I still had a, a starting off point that I liked. Yeah. And it makes your writing process probably so much more efficient. How long does it take you to write a book? About six months. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know people who can write a lot faster. But remember, the day I start what you would say writing the book, I've already written 10,000 words. Mm-hmm. So right there, I'm a 10th of the way in. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, I have busy life in other areas that kind of gets in the way where I would like to just be writing all day, every day. 
But the days that I write, I write a chapter a day. So I can do between about 1,500 words a day. I can do a little bit more than that. If the chapter is a big 3,000 word chapter, hmm, that's it's got to have a brilliant stroke of like creativity to sit down and do 3,000 words in one day. But I'm, it's been done. But usually mm-hmm. that's going to be a two day chapter because it's a long one. Yeah. And if you if you sit down and you push through and you write that much, for me, I just feel a little brain dead by the end. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so plus I, my brain has worked too hard. I I know people who are morning people and they do their best writing first thing in the morning, and that is not me. I have mm-hmm. forced myself to sit at the computer at nine o'clock in the morning and everything I write from nine till three is just okay. And everything I write after three, that's the most creative, most fun stuff. And then tomorrow I will start with today's writing and I will have to fix all that stuff I tried to force. And I'm not saying don't, don't do it. Like it's good for me to sit down and get some stuff down. I'm just saying I've noticed consistently my best writing happens in the evening. Well, I think that's true that you probably that most people do have a sort of internal time structure of when they're most creative and you have to tune into that and allow yourself to be okay with that, you know, not for somebody else's, again, process onto yourself. Yeah, I think people who are writing for the first time, they want to do everything right, but their idea of what's right is what somebody that's either famous or prolific or that they admire, this is what they do. I mean, mm-hmm. if Ernie Hemingway was like my idol, I'd have to be drunk to write. So I don't know how that would work. So I'm not a drinker. So I right there and be in trouble. I wouldn't be able to write anything. So you have to figure <laughs> out what is best for you personally, what works for you. And if what you're doing isn't working, try something else. Mm-hmm. Try outlining. If you're a pantser right. and you're just frustrated all the time, maybe you should try outlining a little bit. Maybe you're a hybrid. And also I think you have to be able to evolve. You know, the way that I wrote a book early on, 2008, my first book came out and I started that book in about 2002. So it took six years to write it. I was doing other things, you know, being a mom, all of that, working, teaching. Um, it, that process is night and day from how I write a book now. My 28th book just came out and and it's an entirely different experience in writing a book. And you have to, and then there's been a myriad of ways along the way, you know, that have, that have, um, ebbed and flowed with process. So you have to be able to evolve as a writer too. And part of that is evolving your process as you become more comfortable with story structure or you understand better how to create red herrings and, you know, the different elements of the book that you're creating as you, as it becomes more internalized, your process is going to adapt to that. Yeah, that's such a great point. And 28 books. Wow. I am absolutely amazed. I've, I've only written eight And I told my uh, editor, they wanted me to write something else. And I said, I can't do two books at once. I'm sorry, I can't. Mm -hmm. And now I'm doing two books at once, two completely different series at the same time. And I cannot believe that I am able to do that. But five years ago, I wasn't. I really was not going to be able to do that. I was having enough trouble with one book. I'm also so that's a perfect example that you couldn't have done it then, but you can do it now because you've grown so much as a writer. You understand how to tell a story and all of these elements. And so the process, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's easy because writing a book, I don't think is ever easy, no. but it's, um, 
it's just something that you can manage in a different way. And now you've been able to open the door and add something else to it. Yeah. Well, you grow. You grow as a writer. The more you read, the more you write, the more you grow. And that's for anybody. So I'm always looking for ways of growing, of reading uh, some great books so that I can learn from other writers and so I can be inspired. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I do love to keep growing in, in my abilities and always looking for something new. Wow, Libby, thank you so much for spending time with us here and for all of the tips that you gave. I mean, so much more than even Plotting 101. And I know I learned a lot and I know that our listeners and viewers will learn so much too. And I hope you all go out there and buy the Poppy McAllister books and give them a read. They are really wonderful. Thank you. Come back for more tips, tricks, and the craft of writing with WriterSpark Academy's podcast and learn more about our online courses at www.writersparkacademy.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, happy writing.